This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, I should say host and also realtors with Oakland Realty in Vancouver. And man, am I fired up for today because we've got Trevor Street. He's a good friend of the show. He's CEO and founding partner at the Partners Marketing Group. This is a guy that knows pre-sales in the Valley better than most. Better than most because Trevor Trevor's company basically sells wood frame in Surrey, Langley, Abbotsford, all the multifamily that's being built. And there's a lot that's being built out there. So it's really interesting in terms of when we say, yeah, you have your finger on the pulse. He has his finger on the pulse and it's a bit of a different pulse in terms of location and what he's selling. So stay tuned for that. It's a great conversation. I feel like I I loved this conversation and uh, Trevor came all the way down from the Valley. But really what's, what's great is we talk about not only the Valley, not only about pre-sale, not only about the market in general, but this is a guy that actually, he, he invests himself, right? Like he, he's actually in this market. He's in a variety of markets. So we talk about his investment thesis and basically how he approaches the market and where he sees the opportunities. We cover it all today. We cover it all. And it is worth noting, Pascas fan favorite. He was on the show pre-COVID. So it's been, it's been quite some time. But one of the more unique backstories and one of the more outspoken guests, I feel like Trevor's a really bright guy and he shoots from the hip and he's, uh, he doesn't pull any punches. So he does it's, not. It's a great conversation. And, and we should say the last time we had him on the program, he came down to my house before, like we, you know, we'd bought it basically a teardown right. before we rebuilt it. And right. we, were, we were doing the podcast out of the dining room at that time. Rats in the walls. Rats in the walls. You had a toilet in your kitchen. A toilet in the kitchen. That was actually by design. Uh, <laughs> you actually installed the toilet. I'm not that a very was the good. only change you made. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a very good cook. Uh, it was required. It was a required. <laughs> here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, Trevor Trevor came down. He was gracious enough. I'm thinking back. It's almost embarrassing how many people we we hosted. We marched David Eby through. <laughs> I know through Dude. that. I know. That David, was crazy. David Eby came through. We didn't know at the time that he was going to be the, the premier. premier. Of, of, we probably would have. We probably would have rented a space. But yeah, we were operating out of a teardown. For the other a long one time. I often think of was uh, when Brian Baumler was on the show and we, you you moved into a, a like a basement apartment in ground Mount, level, ground level as we were rebuilding. Level uh, as you were rebuilding, and Brian Baumler walked in. It was like where. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. How do I get out of here? How do I get uh, out of one here? One of the best episodes. Though. Yeah. Well, he had about 15 media people with him too. That yeah. was the other, the capturing oh, the, man. the a lot ground of the, level. A lot of the Vancouver real estate podcast uh, guests have have been surprised by where it takes place. But now we have this beautiful, beautiful Kokomo Studios and Trevor did come down and I think he was wildly impressed. The movie rights. 
the movie rights for this show. <laughs> Anyways, here here's here's a here's a couple things uh, outside of what you're going to learn today from this episode. Here's a couple things that we've been talking about on Instagram, which uh, we appreciate everybody following us on Instagram. It's That's at right. Vancouver Real Estate Podcast on Instagram. Easy to find. Lots of people reaching out. We just did a quick video of a renovation project that we bought a townhouse doing a walkthrough, kind of a before. We're going to do a few more videos of kind of in construction, the choices that we're making. This is really um, missing middle product that we're that we're hoping to get back on the market. Really, really uh, great property. So that's on our Instagram. Also, Matt, you just did a video on uh, where to buy based on new development. That's right. Yeah, I did a video on buying near new construction. Right. That seemed to get some legs over the weekend. Yes. So I feel like basically the the pitch here is we are actually putting out content that is compelling, such as the video about the renovation, I think, and to follow that process. But then, but we're definitely uh, treating Instagram like a value add yes. uh, place where we're trying to add value. And I and I feel like there's uh, there's a lot of positive feedback so far. So I got to say too, we've had a lot of the VREP community slide into the DMs. That's I'm right. really enjoying sliding out of the dms i what do you what is it responding, called responding i think yeah, responding. i think it's responding. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks thanks anyways we appreciate everybody who is following us make sure you do follow us at vancouver real estate podcast also the other thing i just want to mention before we cut to this interview is the sold plan too is uh, on fuego being downloaded in real time by a lot of people right now this is this uh, is the big change with the new website right is that we've made it so much easier to get a hold of the sold plan you go to vancouverrealestatepodcast.com you hit sell with us there's a lot of resources there but key is the sold plan you click and fill in the information and it pops up immediately for download yeah uh, no questions asked so it's uh, i think a lot of people have been taking advantage of that and the, again, the feedback, pretty good. Yeah, for sure. And uh, even some agents taking uh, advantage of that. And uh, yeah, we appreciate it. Agents want to download it. If uh, you want to use some of those ideas, you might you might know them, you might not. But anyways, it's making the industry better. So well, that's what we're here away. to do. That's what we're here to do. All right. Well, Matt, without further ado, why don't we cut to this conversation with Trevor Street? I'm a huge fan of Trevor. This is a great episode. It's a great episode. So stay tuned. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Berquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sonehouse offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at marcon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at marcon.ca or follow them at Instagram at marconhomes. Marcon, building for life.
right. So we're here with Trevor Street, founding partner and CEO of Partners Marketing Group, past guest fan favorite. Welcome back, Trevor. Appreciate you taking the time today. Oh, thank you guys so much for having me. Yeah, I was trying to think. That was, uh, I think you came down to the studio in Strathcona pre-COVID, which was actually Adam's unrenovated the house crack been, shack. The house has been <laughs> Yeah, built. I was getting myself all, you know, riled up, like, you know, making sure that I was ready when I got out of my truck. That, yeah. Because uh, uh, it's quite stabby down there right now, isn't <laughs> it? it? Is. Yeah. 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 Ever since I entered quite the scene, st- it was <laughs> very stabby. <laughs> very stabby. <laughs> quite stabby but, yeah. down there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we're down, we're, uh, yeah, we're down now in a very, a very ho- hoity-toity neighborhood. Right yeah, now, we're in Camby yeah. Village now. I know it's a... Uh, what is this neighborhood called? Uh, Camby Village. Camby Village. Yeah. Wow. Camby <laughs> Village, yeah. Wow. Look at us, eh? Just moving up in the world. It's, uh, I, every couple of years. I feel like I made it with this lease. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never own over here. Uh, yeah, well, thanks for taking the time. I should say your your back has grown by about six inches since uh, we've seen you last. And I know you're... Uh, I think the last inst I saw something on Facebook or Instagram where you were deadlifting 100 1500 pounds or something like that. So uh, no, you're, you're you're the guy I want around to walk me home. Is uh, is the point? <laughs> <laughs> well, especially if you're in Strathcona. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's it exactly. <laughs> but for our listeners, can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and, of course, about Partners Marketing Group? For myself, I mean, you know, I'm very much just you know regular dude. Grew up in Port Coquitlam. Served eight years in the Canadian Army and uh, started just as a regular real estate agent, 20 years old. Uh, used to knock on 100 doors a day, run four open houses a weekend kind of thing. And uh, slowly over time transferred over from, you know, what you would think of as like a regular realtor over into this side of things. And now we... Uh, run, you know, one of the largest pre-sale marketing firms in the Lower Mainland. And I I remember you talking about this before, but I know, was the impetus, did you see a gap in the market there when you were on the resale side of things? Like, hey, out where you're operating primarily in in the Valley. Yeah. Was it like, wow, there's there's an opening here? Or was it, I don't want to work Saturday, Sunday. This is a, you know, more of a systems approach to to the business? Um, I think it was a combination of, you know, when I looked at the way that pre-sale condominiums were being marketed at that time, I, I felt personally that the, the systems were very outdated. Uh, what people were doing, there was a lot of waste that was happening. I didn't think that developers' money was being spent in a very accountable way, right? So for me, if I'm going to sit across from a developer, I'm going to hand them a budget. All of our proposals have budgets. I've never gone over a budget in thousands and thousands of units of housing sold. And um, I'm not going to ask them to spend money on something if I can't prove that it's driving bodies through their sales center, right? So I think that that was something and that uh, I felt like the market wanted as well. Yeah, I think for me personally, you know, Working as a real estate agent, I know that if I called my realtor up and he said, you know, hey, yeah, yeah, that's great. You want to list your, you know, your your family's home. I'm going to send my listing agent over to come see you. You know, that would feel very impersonal to me. I would want the person that I know and trust to be sitting at my kitchen table. So I felt that, you know, if that's how I'm going to react, and I'm not a very sentimental person, you know, there's probably a limited amount of leverage that you're going to be able to have as a resale realtor. And I didn't want that. So mm-hmm. I 
just kept kept going and growing and going from there. We we kind of talked a little bit about how there's a lot of people in our industry that listen to the show. How did door knocking and open houses work at the beginning uh, stages of your business? Um, door knocking, honestly, it was great. I would go out when it was raining or when it was snowing in particular because people would be home. And right. <laughs> the thing is, like, if, if you're a realtor and you've, you've had experience with cold calling, especially today, so, so few people have landlines that if you're cold calling, those people get called all the time and you're just another faceless realtor. Right. But if you're out there and you're knocking on doors, especially if you're young, like I was 20 when I started, right. You know, people are going to see you. They're going to see this. Okay. This is a real person. This is a young guy that's out. He's banging on doors. He's working like he's, you know, he's a gamer, right. He's hustling. So, you know, I think that, I think that that speaks a lot. And like, I, I knocked on probably, I don't want to say every door in Port Coquitlam, but I would say, I can't even tell you how many, some neighborhoods in Port Coquitlam I've knocked every single door. Certainly. And I can count on one hand the amount of times people were rude to me. Yeah. Yeah. You're literally creating opportunity, right? It's just like, it's, it's uh, like, you know, cold calling or, mm-hmm. or, or door knocking. Yeah. I think about like, I feel like if somebody knocked on, on my door, I'd want to either do business with them, res- respecting the hustle or potentially even just offer them a job. Yeah. Because it shows, you know, it shows like a certain kind of tenacity, right? Every single one of these kids that get knocking on my door, I call them kids because they're 20 or whatever. They're knocking on my door. They're, you know, they work for the gutter company or they work for the, you know, painting company or whatever. I tell them, listen, if you got the minerals to go do this all day, get your real estate license. (laughs) It's the same pitch, right? Everybody needs a place to live. You're selling a product that everybody needs. Like, right. you know, go out and, and bang on the doors. And if you know what, if, if it's somebody that's, if some, that's personally their side of the door is rude to you, odds are that person has never had to crawl in their guts for anything in their lives. You don't want to do business with that guy anyways. So who cares? And, and speaking of crawling on their guts, uh, <laughs> it was a great transition. Yeah. No, but I, I'm kind of curious because, and we probably, I'm trying to remember if we talked about it, but I do think in the real estate space, and I might be mistaken. There's not a lot of guys that served eight years in the in the Canadian Army, right? Yeah. Do you see? Okay. Well, let me fra- phrase it this yeah. way. When I think of you know, and this is all from Full Metal Jacket and Apocalypse Now, so <laughs> so forgive me, but yeah. uh, I, you know, do you think there's a connection between the Army and entrepreneurial spirit, or is it the opposite, or is there is do you see those worlds kind of translating? In any way? Oh, 100%. So I was basically a juvenile delinquent growing up. Like I, the people that I went to high school with, I'm, I talk to them and I can, they, I, if I run into them on the street, I can see like I'm virtually, who, how I care myself, who I am, the way I speak, I'm unrecognizable to them if they haven't seen me since high school, right? Right. I joined the Seaforth Islanders of Canada, which is actually just down the road from here, uh, just right by the Broad Street Bridge there. Right. When I was 18. And uh, my life went in a complete 180. And I would not be where I am today if not for that regiment, 100%. So the drive, the determination, the personal motivation that you learn in the military is what got me to where I am. I never would even finish the real estate course if it wasn't for the regiment, right? So when you see a show like Full Metal Jacket, like it looks very robotic, like when they're in battle school, it looks very, it looks very like, you know, you're told to jump, you jump, you're told to lie down, you lie down. But that is the beginning of battle school in Canada. But as you get through, you're told to produce outcomes. 
and you're given specific timings, you have to produce those outcomes by. And you better figure it out, man. Because <laughs> those guys don't care. They The timing is the timing. And if you miss it, oh, man, yeah, it's bad. Yeah. Yeah. So does everything seem easier after the army? Everything seems, I would say that life is more complicated outside of the military, right? Like, you know, being in Afghanistan, when you leave the wire, when you leave um, like the bases we live in and you're outside, it's very simple, right? Um, you know, from my perspective as someone that escorted convoys around Qatar province, it was don't get blown up and try to keep your friends from getting blown up. That's it. Get the bulls and beans from point A to point B and come back and go to the gym. Right. That's it. So, and then you can like, your meals are made for you. You're, you're like, they even have a, like, you can even like send your laundry out to get done. Right. In that space, huh. you come back and yeah, there's a lot of moving parts, especially when you're running a business as you guys know. Yeah. Right. A lot of different di- uh, people dynamics as well. The military certainly did not prepare, prepared me to be a boss. It did not prepare me to be a leader. But it gave you the minerals to door knock. So it gave me the minerals good. to door knock. <laughs> yes, I was not scared of uh, knocking on someone's door and asking them to do business with me. That's for sure. So. Well, one one question just in relation to that, because it is interesting to think of, you know, military, resale, realtor, to get to that, okay, I prepare a budget for each developer now that I yeah. work with. Uh, we don't go over budget. I built out a fairly large business to service uh, all the all the pre-sale developments you do. Like, was that done through trial by error? Because a lot of people must be thinking, okay, you know, to start from like, I'm 20, I'm door knocking. Mm-hmm. That's like the starting point. But yeah. to get to where you are, was it a lot of three steps forward, two steps back? Or oh, oh. did you have a mentor or how did that work? Um, I was super fortunate that uh, I got an opportunity that I probably shouldn't have. Uh, knowing my level of skill at that time, marketing the residences on Shaughnessy in Port Coquitlam, that building sold out through sheer tenacity on my part. There was no finesse at all, like no leverage at all, right? It was just me calling like a maniac and uh, me just sticking it out in that sales center for months, right? Um and that kind of got my start. But yeah, absolutely. Like if you're growing, you're going to be messing stuff up all the time. Mm-hmm. And the bigger your business grows, like you want to play in the big leagues, you're going to make big league mistakes. And I've made some big league mistakes that have cost me a lot of money, right? I'll give you an example. Our contracts didn't used to detail what the costs were of upgrades. And so what happened was we had a miscount on the amount of parking stalls that we sold at a development and we didn't have anything, any mechanism in the contract to just take those parking stalls back from purchasers. So what happened was I basically had to go back to these purchasers and attempt to bribe them to give back their parking stalls. Basically buy parking. Buy parking stalls back. And so I said to the developers, like, I think we oversold them by eight. I said, I oversold these eight parking stalls, 10 grand a pop. I got to go buy these back now. And I was totally honest. Like I screwed up. This is my fault. This $80,000 of revenue never existed. So, but if, the, if it costs anything more than that, I'll eat the cost. And um, so, yeah, that was a $40,000 check I ended up writing. Yeah. Yeah, it sucked. And uh, 
our graphic designer at the time, she says, you know, Trev, you could hire somebody for a whole, almost a whole year to do nothing but count parking stalls uh, for the amount of money you just spent. <laughs> Thanks, Crystal. Yeah, and she's no longer with us. No, actually, no, she is. She is. Yeah, she's great. Um, but that's actually how we got our absolutely incredible transaction coordinator, Stephanie. No, seriously, that, that's yeah. why we hired her. Yeah. And uh, she does a lot more than count parking stalls. Stephanie, if you're listening, we love you. We appreciate you. <laughs> yeah. So she's she's like the nervous system of the of the the company, right? So yeah. Maybe maybe changing gears a little bit. How's the market right now? And maybe kind of define for people kind of where where your focus tends to be geographically. Yeah. So our focus is uh, the suburbs. It's wood frame condominiums in the suburbs. That's kind of our bread and butter. Um, you know, we may do a, a concrete tower uh, in the future if our existing clientele wants us to. And we've done quite a few townhomes, but bread, our bread and butter, like I said, is uh, wood frame condominiums. And we're in the suburbs. So I get calls for Vancouver, for Burnaby, that kind of stuff. And I just, I tell them, I'm, I'm sorry, man, I'm, I'm not the best guy for the job, right? Maple Ridge, Abbotsford, Langley, these are our areas. And uh, right now, I said in January that this might be the absolute best time uh, in our lifetimes to pick up a piece of Vancouver real estate. Um, and, you know, sure enough, what ended up happening as soon as they halted interest rate hikes, money started coming back into the market. Now, you guys are experiencing this on the resale side. You're back to multiple offers. You're back to just, you know, pandemonium, and it's only going to get worse. On our side, because the pre-sale market is primarily driven by investors, we're still having a lot of people sitting a, a little bit on the sidelines. The smart money, the demographics in particular, where the smart money comes from, we're seeing those guys coming back. It's still cautious, though. So it's interesting, though, sometimes I get the feeling that investors think that the, that the market is static. I feel like they think they have access to more information than I do, which is a little bit crazy if you think about it, right? Because we have sites everywhere. So, you know, these guys that are sitting around, I'll think about it at 380. Oh, they decide they want to jump back in. Well, yeah, everybody else jumped back in around the same time, bud. Because that's what <laughs> yeah. you were using as a marker. <laughs> yeah, so, right. yeah, yeah. So no, now the, the price is three ninety, and they're gonna you know hold their breath and kick and scream and stomp in my sales center and pass out, and then when they wake up, price will be four hundred, right? right? So, you know, I bought. Um, I was buying like even late last year because I know these. I know these slumps they don't last, right? But things are only gonna get well better or worse depending on the way you look at it. But there's just no. Affordability is just going to get worse in Greater Vancouver. Isn't it unbelievable that you know we've seen we've all seen the pre-sale market when mm -hmm. it's it the only thing that you hope for is allocation. Yeah, and then you're in this moment where people can actually carve out a deal. There's incentives, and it's just the herd mentality thing always blows my mind because it's like you watch the craziness when the market's going nuts, mm -hmm. and then you watch it completely stop, mm -hmm. and and it's so clear the opportunities, right? Yeah. Um, but it's so hard to do it when you feel like you're the only one. There's I, a psychology I, there, right? Well, I think that there is. And, you know, I think for a lot of people, you know, you just have to, you've got to look at the big picture. You've got to look at the data, right? Don't make an emotional decision. And the fact of the matter is, is that there's 1,200 people a day moving to this country. So we are mass producing families. So from an economic perspective, our airports are like Henry Ford's factory for families. We are not mass producing housing in greater Vancouver. It's like blacksmith, like unit production from like the medieval times or something, <laughs> right? 
it's terrible. You know, we have, of all the G8 countries, we have the highest proportion of uh, foreign-born citizens in Canada. And that's only going to continue to grow, right? Mm -hmm. So affordability is not going anywhere, except, well, I don't know, worse. It's getting worse, basically. And it's not going to get better. These people are not getting off of the Irish coffin ships, right? Like they're coming to Canada with money. Sure. Right? So my advice to anybody would be to you know, get into the market while you can. I just don't see how you're going to lose on Vancouver real estate compared with any other options you might have. Right. Yeah. And can we talk, I'm just curious to hear about sort of the last year, year and a half yeah. of your business because, you know, from, and it's funny if you say from afar, uh, looking from Canby Village out at the Valley, it was so, like COVID was like steroids doesn't even do it justice to talk about how that kickstarted that market and the price appreciation and the demand. It just seemed supercharged for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. And in about February last year, when things are March, let's say, when things started slowing down, interest rates started creeping up, at least from our perspective, it seemed like the valley really fell off, like fell off a cliff where it seemed like Vancouver was still slowed down dramatically, but it was Mm -hmm. like, you know, it was a bigger bump during COVID and then it was, uh, it seemed like it fell off a cliff and then now it's kind of rebounded. But what, what have you seen over the last, say since last, the start of 2022 in terms of activity? Was it that dramatic or? Oh, no, what you're describing is absolutely accurate. So prices in general are much more violent. The, the, the price changes are much more violent in my side of the industry than they are on your guys's, right? So you guys as resale realtors, you go sit down at someone's kitchen table, you look at their one-bedroom condo. So, oh, you know, the last one in your complex sold half a mil, but, you know, the market's kind of slowing down. There's a lot more competition. You guys might want to list at 490, right? That that might be... Sure. Except it's penthouses and... With water views. Just of kidding. course. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. You know, um, so, but on, on my side of things, if the market perception is that the prices are going up, I might take that half million dollar condo and price at 510. Right. 520. Right. The second that the public perception is that prices are going down, I lose that, that 10, that 10 grand, that 20 grand, that future premium. Right. But not only that, I can't price these things to sell them one every two weeks like you guys can. Right. Right. If I sell one unit at a hundred unit development every two weeks, I'm going to be on that site for two years. The developer's going to kill me. He's going to kill me. Right. So now I can't price it down to 490. I got to underprice it in, in order to get the absorption. And that's what we're constantly talking about with our developer clients is balancing absorption rate with pricing. Right. So you go from 520, you know, down to 480, 470, if you you want to continue that same absorption rate. And that shift could happen in a matter of four to six weeks. Right. Right. So you're talking 10% in four to six weeks if you want to continue moving inventory. Towards the end of, you know, the, the, the boom, I call it. Yeah. Things shifted quite dramatically. And, you know, for me, my advice to my developers, it's my job to represent the best interests of my developers, just like you guys represent the best interests of your buyers. My developers that had their financing in place, so you have to sell about half the building, get the deposits in before you the bank will lend you any money to build the building. The developers that had their, their uh, deposits in place and financing in place, I told them to hold. So you don't get paid, I don't get paid till this thing's built. So let's wait. Mm-hmm. 
right? And so a lot of guys did, but a lot of guys continued just like staying open, even though they were like forty, fifty thousand dollars overpriced, right? And yeah, like you like said, it just it just stopped, right, for a lot of people because you know the free market was calling and uh, they just kept hitting ignore call, yeah, right. So, huh. yeah. and so, and I guess two questions: one, did you see? You know, certain people closed, certain people just kept the pricing, hold firm. Was there a lot of launches that you were expecting potentially that that hit pause as well? Like, is it, or, or were people just like, you know, we got the machine, we're moving through? Um, I think that for us, like, we didn't delay any launches. You want to keep the inventory moving. I heard that a lot of guy, other guys were, were delaying launches. They were pushing it to the right. Right. For us on the wood frame side in the suburbs, in a lot of cases, you know, it still made sense, but I was I was being very careful to paint a very realistic picture to the developers I work with about what to expect if we do this, what to expect if we do that, that kind of thing. So, and, and as a as a I know I'm monopolizing these questions, but uh, as a final question, because I yeah. think everybody is thinking here. All right, it's April twenty sixth mm-hmm. uh, to timestamp it. That five hundred thousand dollar condo right now. Are we back to 520? Are we at 475? Are we at 500? What are you seeing in terms of sentiment there? As of today, so the bottom of the market for us was like uh, basically right before the interest rate announcement, right? And then they when they paused interest rate hikes because yeah. they were announcing it. Oh, interesting. That's right? kind of later than later than talking. resale. We've been saying kind of like November of last year. November oh, it definitely wasn't. No, it definitely wasn't November for us. Okay. Yeah. No, it was probably. Um, like leading up to that interest rate announcement, but even even January was very sluggish, right? Yeah. Um. So I would say that uh, you're, you're we're not back to the, you know, when I talked about that future premium, that five twenty that we yeah. were in in February, we're not even close to that yet, right? We're prob- but we're not at the four seventy five anymore either that we were. We're probably right around the four ninety five, the five hundred. There's still a ways to go, mm-hmm. right? But the thing that I, I really want to express to anybody listening is, is that you may think can't you may hear twelve hundred people a day and think, oh well, Canada's a big place. We can handle twelve hundred <laughs> people a day. Yeah. It's a big place if you're a raccoon. <laughs> it's not a big place if you're a person if you're a people. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because we have thirty eight million people's worth of hospitals, worth of roads, worth of housing, worth of schools. So as a thought experiment, don't imagine 1,200 people a day moving to this massive, you know, landmass. Imagine 400 people a day moving to Los Angeles, mm. and think about the fact that Los Angeles would actually need a 26-story tower getting occupancy every single day just to keep up with that demand. And we know what happens the second there's even a marginal shortage, mm-hmm. right? So I love this. Breaking it down by day is actually super effective. It's, uh, I mean, I don't know how else to articulate it to people like, you know, Canada needs immigration. You know, we, as far as I'm concerned, uh, you know, if you're going to conduct yourself in accordance with our laws and you're going to be a productive person, everybody's welcome. But, you know, we have to have policies in place that are going to, you can't have one hand bringing in half a million people a year and the other hand, you know, lambasting one of my developers at a public hearing because that individual city councillor doesn't like that there's too many studios in the building. Right. You know what I mean? Like, 
the unit co- composition of this building is the furthest thing from your concern right now. Right. Right. <laughs> the only thing you should be asking is how quickly can you get this building to market? Yeah. That's the only and thing you should be asking. The next. Yeah. yeah. And when are you starting the next? How can we help you get the next one? That's the only thing you should be thinking about. Right. Right. Because there's very few people in the lower mainland that can build multifamily housing on you know the 100 unit, 200 unit, 400 unit. There's very few people. And you know what? If you make life too hard for them. They're just going to take their ball and go home, man. They're going to go somewhere else. Take mm-hmm. their money somewhere and, we, else. and we have seen over the years people leave the city, right? Mm-hmm. When it gets to, there's too much friction. Um, and I, I think that's the thing, right? It, it should, all, we, we, we just talked about this on our social media, but um, just how important investors and developers are actually to the creation of housing in the lower mainland. And then as you're, as you're, as, as developers are building, they're fighting critiques about, oh, like, you know, oh, they're making too much money or this and that. It's like, but we forget about the risks. Um, you know, it's unbelievable. I don't understand why someone would complain about how much money somebody is making. That makes absolutely no sense to me. There, money is not wealth. Money is, is just paper, right? Wealth is what you produce. So, you know, Jeff Bezos having $100 billion, like he's not, he doesn't have $100 billion at my expense, Right? It's not a zero-sum game. It's not a zero-sum game, right? You know, there's a reason that I, as like a middle-class dude in Maple Ridge, I live a life that is, you know, massively more luxurious and safe than a medieval lord would have, right? That medieval lord controlled much more of the, you know, United Kingdom's wealth than I do as, you know, uh, an individual dude in Maple Ridge uh, compared to Canada's wealth. But the total amount of wealth between that time and today has grown massively. And that's why I live the way I live. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, I, I just, I don't understand that mentality, you know, good for them. If they made a bunch of money, maybe they'll want to build another building. Right. right. Well, and it's worth pointing out. So just to, to dig a little deeper here or go back to what you're talking about, about um, investors, because one thing, you know, I think out of all the pre-construction projects, like, you know, if you see, a tower downtown. It's like, all right, that's 2028, 20, 2029. 20, it doesn't make sense for a family to buy it. Like in, in most cases, yes. right? Yeah. Um, but wood frame in Langley, there's a lot shorter turnaround, mm-hmm. generally speaking. Yeah. You'd think that potentially there's more families buying, but still it's it's primarily investors you're you're dealing with. Yeah, you deal with a lot of investors, a lot of people that are choosing to buy these buy these homes and rent them out, right? So the fact of the matter is, is that there, you know, there's just there's not a lot of people walking around that have the ten percent to put down. They, they're going to need a place to rent, right? We have sub one percent vacancy rates in a lot of municipalities. That's insane, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, investors are an important part of of getting this product built. Absolutely. When you say that uh, fewer, you know, is that the market has slowed down, is it really yeah. just the numbers not penciling for investors right now? Um, no, I mean, Vancouver is buying in the lower mainland is an appreciation play. Right. Right. So I've got property in Prince George. That's a cash flow play, right? That's, I, I bought that property. I'm not expecting a massive appreciation out of that, that building. I'm just expecting that, you know, I'm going to get my, you know, 500 bucks cash flow every month and I'm going to, uh, have the mortgage paid down and it's going to be a safe, secure investment. And if I buy a few of those, then I'll have, you know, a good chunk of change coming in every month. But Vancouver, lower mainland real estate is, it's an appreciation play. So the the number's not penciling out. It'll never pencil out. Right. Right. 
Um, what's going to happen is is that you know you're going to buy this property. You know, putting three four hundred dollars into a piece of Vancouver real estate every month is going to do a lot better for you than putting three four hundred dollars into an RRSP every month. Can we talk about and and maybe this is a we were talking a little bit before we pushed uh, record here yeah. about your portfolio and and I'm not uh, not so much about your portfolio but more about your investment philosophy yeah. and thesis and 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 maybe a little bit about that like diversifying your portfolio between looking at like a cap gain play versus like a a cash flow play for example. Yeah, I mean they're both those are two different plays and you know I mean I have invest in, investments in equities and in the stock market and and everything and I uh you know pay a guy that I uh you know a, a poco guy that made it big he's got some ivory tower office in downtown Vancouver here he manages the money for me cam if you're listening uh keep keep doing a good job for me buddy <laughs> right keep it up right he beats the S&P for me every year and after his commish so I'm happy right um but you know for me real estate yeah it, it's either an appreciation play or it's a cash flow play or it's somewhere in the middle Right. And so, you know, you, but if you're, if you're buying a condominium in Vancouver, you're buying a condo in Burnaby, that product is never going to cash flow. It never will. It's never going to, it just, the amount of rent that you're going to get for it is not going to even cover your mortgage. Right. But, you know, you've, you've just got to look at, you know, a 10 year horizon, right. Put, take the time to put the money into Excel or put the, the, well, the money into Excel really. Right. Learn how to use Microsoft Excel properly. Look at a very, you know, marginal appreciation rate. Okay. Look at how the mortgage is going to be paid down. Look at how much you're going to be feeding the gator every month. Maybe it's 400 bucks, maybe it's 500 bucks. And then compare that up against the historical returns of the S&P 500 and ask yourself what the better play is. Right. Now, you know, uh, with my equities, I can stop contributing those equities at any time. Right. If I run into trouble, a lot of bad things would have to happen to stop sending cam money every month. But uh, if I can just stop that and it's fine, that's not going to affect the portfolio. If you do that with your real estate portfolio, you're going to get foreclosed on. So there is a little bit more risk there. So it just depends on your, your risk appetite. Um, but that's the lower mainland for you. And I think, you know, for those of us that grew up in like working class Anglo Saxon households, you know, we were taught to work 40 hours a week, 50 hours a week, 60 hours a week, making money, work hard, make money, save your money. But we weren't taught to actually spend any time each week managing our money, and it, which is kind of crazy. If you think mm -hmm. about it, you'll spend 40 hours a week making the money. How much time are you spending each week actually learning what to do with that money, right? And so that's kind of a realization I came to, and uh, I've spent a lot of time on that. A cash flow play, you know, it's good to have that balance, certainly, but... In terms of cash flow, you're, you're so heavily taxed in Canada on passive income that you earn through a corporation. I think Trudeau takes like a 50% commission on everything I earn um, mm -hmm. passively. So it's really hard to justify that as opposed to an appreciation play when you're investing the money in Greater Vancouver, right? So, Hey, everyone. Pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? 
honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you've really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah. You know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the way. And I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer. And they're looking for both donations and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020. So, and what does that look like for based on that, what does that look like for you? Is it, you know, do you use it as a percentage? Like, okay, I have my 100% here for real estate. I'm going to do 30% cash flow, uh, 70% cap appreciation. Or do you do you think about it that way? Or is it just like, oh, here's an opportunity. Yeah, I got a down payment. Let's for, go. For me, it's more heavily weighted in the appreciation side of things just because of I'm 38 years old. And so where I am at my life, I don't need the cash flow. Mm-hmm. Right. My strategy is to, I mean, I'm doing a little bit of cash flow in preparation for retirement. And I want to learn about, you know, buying these bigger buildings and that kind of thing. And that, that's kind of what I'm in the process of doing right now. The Prince George acquisition, um, I made a lot of mistakes that I won't repeat on the next acquisition. But for me, like it, I just, I, I'm more heavily weighted in the, uh, in the appreciation department mm-hmm. because there's no tax on appreciation. Does it make sense or do you feel comfortable talking about those mistakes? Like talking oh, a little bit about that, that. Of course. So this is a multifamily purchase in Prince George? Yeah, multifamily purchase in Prince George. It was a fourplex. So um, the first mistake I made was that I looked at the vacancy rates at Prince, uh, in Prince George as a whole. But I didn't consult with a property manager. I didn't have a relationship with a property manager at that time. I had planned to work with someone that my realtor up there recommended. Brad Messam, fantastic guy up there. Um, that he was going to recommend. But what I should have done was I should have consulted with a property manager when I was doing my pro, my pro forma, mm. right? And had the property manager go through and give me a much more realistic estimate of what the vacancy rate was going to be and what the cost associated with renovating the property. It needed a lot of work to get it to a standard that was going to be attractive for a tenant was going to be because it's an older fourplex. And so like, yeah, the overall vacancy rate may be like one and a half percent, but for those types of that type of housing, it's actually much higher. And so I know it's hard for people in Vancouver to imagine, but one of these units sat vacant for two months. One of them sat vacant for three months. And it's not like the property managers weren't doing their jobs because I checked. 
Right. <laughs> <laughs> they're doing a great job. Like they're they're awesome, and they're like they even managed like getting in my subcontractors and everything. But that's one thing that I didn't understand when I bought the property. Um, and then the other thing that I didn't understand was the amount of money that it was going to cost to right. get the property to where I wanted to be uh, in order for it to be attractive. So now I have a targeted return. Uh, a, a, what I'm looking for is a cap rate of six percent, right? If I'm buying up there. And I knew there was going to be mistakes. You know, you can't just sit sit around trying to iron out every single little detail. Sure. So I bought the thing at like I think it was like a six point eight cap is where it, where I thought it should land, um, based on all the different factors at play. But then when I added in the cost of the renovations to the purchase price, the lower rent that I ended up selling settling for after one of the units was vacant for three months, it ended up being like a six point cap or something like that so still above my targeted return mm-hmm. but yeah there's just mistakes that i made i knew i was going to make them i knew somewhere i was going to mess something up and uh i did but not as spectacularly as i thought i would so <laughs> it's, it's interesting that you say that because i i i think the best experience i've had of going into another market yeah was making a connection with a property manager first as my <laughs> as my point of contact yeah. because I often find property managers have a general sense of price points in each area, like almost probably even more so than agents have of rental income. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So they can they can guide you roughly where the best caps are, but they have a really solid understanding of the rental hurdles in each sub market, right? Yeah. Um, so it's almost a great person to reach out to and almost build a team around that, like a really good property manager. Yeah. Yeah, and and like Brad. And Brad's, you know, one of these realtors that's like honest 100% of the time, not 99% of the time, 100% of the time. And yeah, he straight up wait, went to Amber, uh, who works with that um, property management team at uh, Royal LePage there uh, up in Prince George. And he got estimated rents from her. Right. But it was a, st- it was a mistake on my part, not on his part, um, because I did the performance myself, Right. Uh, it was a mistake on my part not to have Amber more heavily engaged. Hmm. Right. Makes sense. So, yeah. It is, it's worth just uh, repeating, right? Like uh, in different markets, understanding those neighborhood dynamics. Yeah. Because uh, I feel like we've had, well, experience and people on the show, say, invested in Edmonton, where you're like, wow, what a great cap rate. It's like, do you know the vacancy in the where this cap rate is mm-hmm. really attractive and, and what what it takes to collect rent sometimes and, and what and the damage done to the units after like yeah. I know we it was Kyle Green I think was like yeah I, I bought all these units in Edmonton it was like on paper it looked amazing he's yeah. like it's been a constant headache so yeah. navigating those the things you don't know uh along with um the property types that are attractive right like yeah a one-bedroom condo in Calgary is a different than a one-bedroom condo in Vancouver. Yeah, and Alberta as a whole just scares the heck out of me um, just because it, you know, Greater Vancouver, there's so much political and so much so much geographical constraints, mostly political constraints, yeah. in order to build new housing. So, like, like, affordability is not getting better. If the people in Victoria continue down the path that they're going down right now, Vancouver will, I would estimate, within five to 10 years be the, the most unaffordable place in the world to live because they're pushing buttons, they're pulling levers and they don't understand how the machine works at all. Right. So, uh, Alberta on the other hand, 
you know, this is a very business-friendly environment. It's very flat. They don't have a lot of geographical, they don't have ge- geographical or political constraints. Right. So as an investor, you know, yeah, I can understand why some of these, they have like a 10% vacancy rate or something like yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. I understand why. Right. It's so funny. This is a different take than we usually hear on the show, right? Because people pitch Alberta and say, you know, the residential tenancy act is nowhere near as onerous. It's really attractive that way. But the they don't have the political constraints of British Columbia is, is an interesting way of framing it and probably, you know, uh, a really smart way, obviously, of framing it. Yeah, again, like, I think you have to understand these policies as a whole. Like, if you think of economics on a spectrum, one is free market capitalism, right? It's between me, me as landlord, you as a tenant. You as the tenant really have all the leverage because at the end of the day, it's not equitable for me to go sue you. Mm-hmm. over most types of damage uh, and definitely not a non-payment of rent. But as you get further and further into a planned economy, um, which is much more like what we have here in Greater Vancouver uh, for housing, it benefits the people that have the supply to uh, to a degree that they don't really understand because so many people just walk away from being landlords. And it really constrains the, the supply by quite a bit. Um, and that's why we, that's part of the reason we have the vacancy rates that we do. And as, as hard it is, as it is to get housing pushed through the political system, at the end of the day, it's people like myself, people like you guys, other landlords and developers that are the ones that benefit from all of this, um, these new, the new rule that come out you know, every and, week it seems except all of our friends move away um, yeah I, I, so I, I just want to and you I can just make wanna, new friends buddy just yeah. come out to maple, come out to maple ridge yeah, yeah. we're all there the, the other thing i want to flesh out about this because when we kind of started going down this rabbit hole by talking yeah. about why people invest in in metro vancouver yeah. and, and the answer which i think is clear is is that capital appreciation or that cap gain that they're looking for right yeah but the other two things I think that need to be highlighted is you're paying for the vacancy rate here, mm-hmm. which is never, I, I don't think in my years of selling real estate, I've never seen a, anything that's been over 1% vacancy rate really no. um, in the Metro no. Vancouver, right? No. It's always been like sub 1%. And then the other thing is, is that, you know, in the last calendar year downtown, we've seen uh, one beds increase in percentage wise around 20 to 25% in terms of the in terms of the rental income. Mm-hmm. So really it's time in the market and it's that long run runway of of rents that it's increasing as well, right? So it's kind of like if I'm a person going into Vancouver, I'm I know I'm I'm looking for the cap appreciation, but I'm also looking for the consistently low vacancy rate. You know, when I put my place on the market, I have a lineup around the block of people that want to rent it and great great candidates, right? Yep. And then on a third, I'm, I know that if I, I've got a long runway on, on that rental income, right? Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, it, it's going to be stable. It's going to be predictable, right? Buying in greater Vancouver, right? You're just not going to have the cash flow. That's right. the only challenge, right? But again, like I said, you pay 400 bucks a month to carry a piece of Vancouver real estate, Right after you know after the rents taken into account and the strata fees and the property management, if by the way if you're considering renting renting a property out without using a professional property manager, you have a fool for a a manager. <laughs> it being it being yourself, yeah. <laughs> don't do it. Life's too short to manage your own rentals, guys. Okay, um, but yeah, if after everything else, it's a negative cash flow of four hundred bucks a month, put that into Microsoft Excel. 
Okay, factor in the fact that you're ponying up, for, you know, forty eight hundred bucks a year. You know, factor in, you know, the a very modest appreciation rate. Um, factor in how much the mortgage is going to get paid down. Factor in how much the rent is going to go up, which isn't going to be much, but it'll help stem the increase in basically the rent goes up and it covers the cost of the increase in strata fees. Sure. Right. Kind of thing. Factor in increases in property taxes associated with the increase in cost. So like it, it takes time to build out these models in Microsoft Excel, but once they're built out, you know, you have them forever and you can plug in that data anytime you want, man. And it's not rocket science. If yeah, man, like I, ex-army guy from poco can figure it out man i'm sure <laughs> i'm sure any of your listeners can have a can dummy it. like trevor yeah. street can figure it out but <laughs> yeah. it's seriously though like it's not honestly like it's all free like you can learn how to do it on youtube you can google most of the answers right hit 1.5 or 2.0 speed on youtube and you know, right. you'll burn through that instructional <laughs> before you know it right so yeah <laughs> I'm curious, Trevor, you know, in the, in the markets you're operating in, which, which area are you most excited about and what, uh, and we know you sell primarily condos, but what, what type of property, whether it be single family, townhome, condo, do you see the, the biggest growth in say the one, one, three, five years? Um, for me personally, like I'm, just, you know, from an investment standpoint and, you know, I can, I consider buying a home an investment if, if you intend to live in it, I still think it's an investment. I'm obviously most excited about wood frame condos. That's what I'm passionate about. That's what I think that not only the market needs more of, but also I think it's the best vehicle for anybody, for a would-be landlord, someone, or a would-be investor, right? Uh, the areas that I, I'm most excited about, Langley City, Maple Ridge, Abbotsford, Mission, those types of areas, I think, have the best opportunity for capital appreciation. Uh, and I, I, I think that those are the areas that, you know, I, I certainly would want to be focused in for appreciation. And how have you watched those areas change over the over the years? Can you talk a little bit about, like, maybe exciting infrastructure coming to the Valley or or yeah. just even what's what's happening? For someone that's maybe not paying attention, somebody that lives in Vancouver, barely crosses boundary. Yeah. So if you live in Vancouver and you barely cross boundary, um, you barely ever cross boundary, which I understand. I mean, a lot of people, they don't have any, they don't have any reason to go east, right? Come out to the valley, come out to Maple Ridge, come out to Mission, see what the opportunities are here. You can get in for probably what, half the price as in Vancouver, right? And, you know, Langley City, of course, we have the SkyTrain coming. Langley City is a very small place. So there's Langley City and Langley Township. It's like North Van and North Van City and North Van District kind yeah. of thing, yeah, right? Is that what it's like? Yeah. yeah. City. So city of, uh, city of Langley is, in my opinion, where you want to be. Most places in the city of Langley, you'll either be able to take a commuter bus or walk to the new SkyTrain station, right? So, you know, obviously, you know, slam dunk. From an investment standpoint, you know, that's a fantastic place to be. And in Abbotsford, I'm really excited about, it's kind of its own little economy, its own little city in the country. A lot of the people that live in Abbotsford work in Abbotsford, right? Abbotsford has some of the highest household incomes anywhere in the lower mainland outside of Vancouver, hmm. right? So, you know, in terms of getting a good rent to purchase price ratio, I think you're probably, you're in a good spot there. And then Mission and Maple Ridge, I just think, I think that, you know, those places are so overdue for, and they're so ripe for redevelopment that it, 
it, it just downtown Maple Ridge, downtown Mission, like they remind me of growing up in Port Coquitlam, mm-hmm. right? And then, so for people today, if you visit Port Coquitlam, it's a very nice place to live. When I was growing up, it was it was like what Mission is today. It was very it was it, it was a little, not quite what Mission is today. It was rougher. It was actually a lot rougher than Mission is today. But it was you know white trash, working class, punch ups in the street, like gravel parking lot you know, bars and that kind of stuff, right? Like yeah. it was, uh, thinking back, it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was a little bit like the wild west. And now it's this like beautiful little suburb, right? So, you know, that's where I think the changeover happens. I don't want to buy in Yale town, right? I don't want to buy in uh, Alder side that's already all beautified and built out, right? I want to buy where the change is happening. And, and just one thing you said early on that I think is an interesting, um, point to kind of dig a little deeper on wood frame condo brand new being the best vehicle yeah can you talk about why i just i don't think you get much more rent for concrete than you do for wood frame i just don't tenants don't know don't care don't uh, think about it i don't think so man i but think you pay a premium for the concrete you pay a premium for the concrete buddy right and so you know and i just uh, and the, the the access point is is higher Right, wood frame condominiums are the lowest access access point that we have. Mm-hmm. They're the cheapest housing product that we have, and that's why we need to build more of them. But we're not building them nearly fast enough. Right. Yeah. And, and as a and in terms of vehicle, I think as well, um, just the ease. Right. A, a new wood frame condo, you can kind of set it and forget it in a way that single family home you can't. Right. It's just the, the, if you're looking for reasons to get out of real estate, mm-hmm. buy a single family home in a lot of instances, right? Uh, you're over and there. manage it yourself. Yeah, exactly. And manage it yourself. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, a wood frame, a newer wood frame condominium built by a reputable developer. Yeah. It is going to be very much set it and forget it. Right. You're going to hire a professional property manager. We're going to hire professional property managers. <laughs> okay. Um, your, you know, $80 a month or $120 a month insurance policy against a phone call about a leaky fridge in the middle of the night. Right. right? Like I just, it, I just, I don't understand people that manage their own, like, like these guys I work with, they charge 8%. Like, yeah. What are you holding on to <laughs> as a landlord for that eight? Like, like you need that 8% yeah, yeah. Of, the, of the monthly rent that badly, man. <laughs> like. You know, on, on fifteen hundred bucks, it's like one hundred and twenty bucks or whatever it is. It's totally. like it's like, dude, honestly, go go work at Starbucks for a few hours a week instead <laughs> of like Cactus Club. Yeah, go to yeah, skip <laughs> Cactus Club once, man. Like, jeez. <laughs> but yeah, that I think that that's probably the best, uh, in my opinion, the and, best way to go. And I think a lot of people, but it's funny we've talked about it on this show a lot. Wood frame as construction is not what people think of like from like 70s buildings where you hear the your neighbor sneeze or something to that effect. Like yeah. the building practices and the technology around wood frame has changed dramatically. Yes. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. It is not as soundproof as concrete. Sure. Right. It's just not. Right. And that's just the fact of the matter. Uh, it's gotten a lot better. Absolutely. Than it was, you know, I, I think even 20 years ago. Sure. Right. But yeah, there absolutely will be times that you will hear your neighbors and you, you might have to actually interact with these people politely. <laughs> I know. Right. Like talk to an adult you don't know. <laughs> oh, right. This is Vancouver. <laughs> yeah. I, I know. Right. You know, you might, yeah, you might actually have to, you know, be a polite human being with someone you don't know. But, you know, am I going to pay an extra, you know, fifty to a hundred thousand dollars to buy a smaller concrete unit as opposed to a larger wood frame unit 
to not have to talk to somebody I don't know, man, I don't know. That doesn't seem like a good, uh, a good, you know, return on my investment, right? It, I think most people are super considerate in these wood frame buildings, especially the newer ones, right? So, well, Trevor, we we told you we'd keep you for an hour, and we're almost there. Um, maybe as a, a final question, what do you think the prices are going to do in the next one, three to five years? If you can get out your crystal ball and talk about kind of where the market is right now and what you see happening in the foreseeable future. Um, as a rule, I generally, I will generally tell people that uh, no one can make a, there is not a single individual that has an accurate track record of making medium term predictions, not one, um, myself included. If I had a gun to my head, I mean, I would just look at the fundamentals, right? The decisions that are being made in Victoria are hurting affordability dramatically. The stuff that's happening behind the scenes, people don't realize. Um, changes to the building code, Victoria standing idly by while municipalities raise fees. Uh, Victoria is raising fees uh, on developers as well, which is causing a lot of these projects to not pencil out. I just I don't under I don't see how prices could go anywhere but up when we have again twelve hundred people a day that need housing, ready made families that need somewhere to live every single day coming to this country. So. I never stopped buying. And and maybe just thinking about that, one thing I've been kind of thinking through a little bit, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, is what you're describing as somebody who is, is a person who watches, you know, you're very engaged, yeah. right? Yet it seems like there's something going on with these low inventory levels because it's across the country there's low inventory, mm-hmm. especially Toronto, Vancouver. It's like it's in the zeitgeist, this knowingness that why would I sell real estate right now? Why would I sell my real estate mm-hmm. right now? Like it seems so obvious. Is that Do you see that as part of the problem with, with our inventory issues? Like that there's just, it seems like we're every year you're like, man, the inventory is just getting worse and worse and and. And I'm wondering, like, you know, there's a bunch of reasons for that, but yeah. one must be just this kind of this larger market knowing that it's a bad thing to get rid of. It, it, it comes down again, punching things into Microsoft Excel, right? Yeah. So I'm I'm getting I'm getting ready to sell one of my condominiums, and this will be the first time I've sold any real estate I own that like I didn't live in, like I sold my house in Poco, moved to Maple Ridge, kind of thing. Um, but this will be the first time I've actually sold any real estate that I own in, I think almost 10 years, any, anything from my rental portfolio. Um, a lot of it has to do with the commission that, that, um, Ottawa takes, right? So, um, you're going to lose a huge amount of your appreciation to Ottawa, Right, Big Daddy Trudeau, big. I know, right? Big Daddy Trudeau is going to show up with his handout, right? And he's taken, you know, twenty five percent of your gain in some cases, Mm -hmm. right? And so when you compare that up against just retaining the property and then borrowing against it to buy something else, that makes a that makes just much more sense. And investors are making rational decisions based mm-hmm. on the, op- the, you know, the the different scenarios that are available to them, right? right? So, yeah, I'm, I'm, it'd be interesting to ask the question, you know, how long do REITs, REITs hold uh, property in Canada compared with the United States? Because in the United States, they don't have that, right? right? If you sell, you take that equity and you put it into something else within one year, 
I think it's called like a 1021 yeah. exchange or something. Yeah. Um, you don't pay capital gains on it. So it'd be interesting to see if there's a, a factor there where REITs are, are selling more real estate more often. Investors are selling real estate more often in the States than they are in Canada. But the big boys that I know here, uh, even the medium-sized guys, they don't sell anything. The only reason I'm getting ready to sell this one, in, uh, this one condo I have is because I have a better opportunity that's coming up. But we've factored in everything, including, um, you know, what Big Daddy Trudeau is going to spend on the yeah. unicorn uh, unicorn idea that he has this week or whatever it is, right? So Fascinating. Well, how can people find out? Well, first of all, actually, yeah, we have the five wire. Yeah. I totally, geez, Matt. It's only been, is, we've only been doing this eight years. Yeah, I know. And I can't <laughs> even, uh, I can't even remember. But Trevor, we do have this, uh, this segment called the five wire, five lighthearted questions that we end every show with. Can you stick around for that? Of course, my man. The Five Wire is brought to you by Scalina Real Estate. Hey, that sounds familiar. Scalina Real Estate is a full-service real estate company serving Vancouver, offering comprehensive tried and tested buyer and seller systems. With over a decade in the top 10% of realtors in the lower mainland and a perfect five-star Google review, Scalina Real Estate can help with all your real estate needs. We also have an extensive network of the best industry professionals and trades right across the country. There's no reason to not get in touch. Head over to scalinarealestate.com to find out more. Okay. So number one is uh, one book you've read recently that you would recommend for our listeners. Oh, um, the one book that I would recommend would have to be Debt Millionaire. This is a book that talks about it, and it, especially if you come from like working class Anglo-Saxon household where you're taught debt is bad, save is good. You know, the author talks about, you know, why that's a massive flaw in our culture and that the upper class, that's not how they think about debt at all. You know, when you factor in returns on equities, you know, maybe you get an 8% return on your equities. Well, you know, the real inflation rate is probably 5%, right? Inflation is relative to what you intend to use the money for, of course. But so he talks about that and he talks about the power of leverage and how the author has used debt in order to make himself wealthy, right? So that would be the one book I'd recommend. And that book, that recommendation comes from Kelly Fry, who's one of the top investment realtors in the Lord Mainland, right? Fantastic. And it's worth... Uh... Uh, I don't even know if you remember this, uh, Trevor, but I first met you at a Canucks game and you sent me the one thing in the mail after. Uh, yeah. I was wondering if you're still, rec- well, presumably you're still recommending it. But I've read that book. A couple of years I've ago. read that book probably four times, brother. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I go back to it all the time. That was actually the first book that came to mind when you asked me that question. Right. But since we're talking about investment, talking about real estate 100%. today, I thought Debt Millionaire would be the way to go. Right on. In the last few years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life? Belief, behavior, or habit. What can I say, man? Um, the last five years, I, I think that, I think coming out of the military, you know, especially, you know, coming from a place like Afghanistan, you tend to walk around all the time at a 10 out of 10. Like you wake up every day and you're just like in go mode. And you, you get so exhausted from that that when your body actually does engage something called the um, uh, the parasympathetic nervous system. So if I sit down and I actually like a watch a movie or try to read a book or something, I'm actually so exhausted, I'll actually immediately just start to fall asleep. Huh. Right. So I've learned over the last 10 years or last five years, last couple of years 
to find a way to take that down. And um, that's why I said when we were chatting, like that's why I have to work out four days a week. Um, that's why my morning routine includes reading, prayer, meditation, um, and uh, and you know, then I get my day started. Yeah. So that, that would probably be the, I don't know if that's a good answer to your question. Yeah, no, that's, no, that's, yeah. that's a great answer. It's kind of a weird answer, but yeah. It's perfect. Question number three is, what have you been binge watching lately or a movie recommendation? <laughs> Um, I don't have a lot of time for binge watching at all. Um, again, <laughs> or watching slowly. <laughs> watching slowly, yeah. Um, I'm trying to learn how to golf. Uh, it makes three of us. If, you, um, if you've ever met me in person, you know I don't really have the body type for golf. <laughs> uh, so I've been watching in bits and pieces. There's a Netflix documentary following these professional golfers around. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've been watching a little bit of that, but aside from that, not much. Nice. Favorite band or music? Favorite band uh, for me, you know, I um, I like the heavy stuff. So you know, I listen to a lot of you know nineteen eighties and seventies, you know, punk rock like the Clash, uh, Misfits, that kind of thing. Um, that's more my jam. I would have nailed that. Yeah, I could have. I, I think I had. I was like, I, I always try and predict the music, but I would have said that for sure. Last but not least, something that you have purchased for under $1,500 recently that has had a positive impact on your life. I bought a stool for my workbench in Tobiano. So <laughs> we got a little place there. And man, that thing was like 20 bucks and it just made my life like so much better than having to stand there and try to do stuff at that bench. I don't know. Where's your place? In Tobiano. Tobiano. Yeah, you've never heard of it. Nobody has in Greater <laughs> Vancouver. It's, three, it's just 20 minutes outside of Kamloops. Three and a half hours from my door in Maple Ridge. And this place, it's like right on the lake. I walk five minutes down from my townhouse. I'm on the lake. I can rent a boat there. There's a little pizza place on the water. One of the nicest golf courses anywhere in BC. Is Great it restaurant. East, east of Kamloops? I don't know, man. You're coming up from up up the Coke and then you yeah, turn right. Kamloops? No, no, you're coming up the Coquihalla Highway. Yeah. You turn right before you get to Kamloops. Oh. Yeah, I know. It I'd never heard of it. And then I phoned a buddy of mine that lives in Kamloops. He's a realtor up there. Um, and he says, I said, Do you know this Tobiano? He says, Trevor, live in Tobiano. It's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. And he's got like a little golf cart. He drives it down to the lake, parks it there, gets on his boat in the marina, goes out with his family. Yeah, it's like the best kept secret, man. It's gnarly. What? And and so is it something that you rent when you're not using it, or do you? Is it is it just for your family? It's just for my family, man. I'm a little bit like nutso about cleanliness and that kind of thing. So if I like Airbnb it, and then we went there, and there was like crumbs in a drawer or something, I just go like He's somebody with broken kneecaps out there. Uh, yeah, m maybe myself from just sp <laughs> sprinting out of there, right? So my 250-pound body ain't gonna ain't gonna do ain't gonna fare well with that uh, on those kneecaps for sure. So, right on. Well, how can uh, people find out more about what you're doing, Trevor, and more about Partners Marketing? Um, you can visit our website, the Partners Marketing Group. You can see all our inventory there. Follow us on social media, and uh, you know, most importantly, talk to your realtor. Because your local realtor, these are the guys that are on the ground every day. And I know realtors these days somehow seem to have borne the the blame for the affordability situation in Greater Vancouver. I wish and, I had the power. <laughs> yeah, I was. I think anybody listening to this 
listening to me talk on this podcast is probably realizing that we're not smart enough to be <laughs> to be the people <laughs> that are the people behind the curtain. <laughs> yeah, we're not the people behind the curtain pulling levers and pushing the buttons. But you know what? I mean, the entire job is one giant conflict of interest if you really think about it. And the majority of realtors that I know, they handle that conflict of interest very well every single day. They navigate through, they look out for their clients and they'll pull the pin on a deal and thereby pulling the pin on their commission check um, if they think it's not the right move for their client. And I just, I think that's extraordinary. I think that's something our industry has that, you know, is kind of bucks what you would normal, what you would think based on the incentives that are available. So, you know, your local realtor, you know, like somebody you, you know, you trust, hire on referral, and uh, that's the person you should talk to about any, any pre-sale as far as I'm concerned. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for your time. Good to, good to have you back. Thank you, guys. Cheers. So there you have it, folks. Our discussion with CEO and founder of the Partners Marketing Group, Trevor Street. Always enjoy having Trevor in studio. We joked on Instagram that uh, Trevor made us all feel a little bit safer in the he studio. Is, so he's doing a lot of deadlifting he I, is literally uh, at what? He's probably four feet wide. It's honestly his shoulders are. Uh, it's it's he's he's like more muscular than last time I saw him. And not that we should be commenting on on uh, anything related to uh, his physique, but man, I I kind of wanted to be like, hey, let me find a phone book and let's rip this thing in half, he, Trevor. Like he, he could he, rip a phone book. Oh, in easily, half. easily, easily, easily. I yeah. kind of want to if he comes on again. We should live stream that on Instagram. <laughs> Trevor Street ripping a phone book in half. That would be fantastic. What else do we got for today? Before we cut for the day, we did just get a message on our Instagram at Vancouver Real Estate Podcast asking, I guess, our, we're trying to support Hallway House, right? Yes. Hallway House. And apparently in our pre-recorded support, it's hard to hear. So again, that's Hallway House as in Whole Foods hallway house. And uh, it does, I feel like lots of people reaching out in support of hallway house, which is just, uh, you know, warms the heart a bit. I want to reach out to Jenny Conkin from hallway house. Again, we talk to her on a fairly regular basis, but I think there's some exciting things kind of coming in the balance of the year, some drives that we might be doing and some participation. So stay tuned for that. If you do want to get involved with hallway house, feel free to reach out to us. Um, we can connect you to Jenny. A lot of people already have. A lot of people are already donating some time, uh, donating some resources or sitting down with Jenny. Really, it's a great cause. If you haven't heard that episode, definitely go back and have a listen because it's one of our one of our more popular Well, episodes. a lot of people, yeah, it's kind of surprisingly, would you say it went viral? It, it, it resonated with the VRAP community. And I don't, that doesn't surprise me. We got a bunch of people in Vancouver that, it, it, when we, it was funny, but we had this conversation the other day and they said, what... What is, uh, we're trying to define who listens to the show. And it was really people obsessed with real estate and people obsessed with the city of Vancouver. So I'm not surprised. Yeah, no, no kidding. Other than that, Adam, of course, we have VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. This is our new website. Speaking of people obsessed with real estate and Vancouver, this is your one-stop shop uh, where you can go. We have all the back catalog there, easily searchable. We've really spent a lot of time updating the synopses, and so it's a, it's really 
I think it's more user friendly in a lot of ways. Absolutely. Uh, we have the sell with us, the sold plan button. We have the buy with us, uh, the PCS button. We have the sell with us button. We have the live wire. This is our weekly mailer where we're sending out VIP presale access. We're sending out the new episodes. We're sending out stats before anyone else, different types of stats. And of course, we have buy with us or also known as private client services. And Matt, if you are not using PCS, you are standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You get sold prices, days on market. You basically get realtor level information for free. It's available at your fingertips over at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com slash PCS. Sign up for your own free account. This is the best way to monitor the market. Like we don't care if you're buying. That has nothing to do with anything. Sign up and get an account. Monitor where you live. Monitor your area. Monitor the areas you're excited about. And if you're a first-time home buyer, monitor just the market in general and see what the pockets that you might be able to operate in. It is a great resource. Absolutely. And if you want to talk about that or anything else, you can give me a shout at any time, 778-847-2854 or matt at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or adam at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. We, of course, got that Kokomo line or as a, as a listener... Friend John Ma. Said, yeah. John Ma said nonpartisan line. I forgot that line. Yeah, nonpartisan. Uh, info at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. And, and here's one last thing I will mention. Next week, we've got a thorough conversation around Victoria and Vancouver Island with 32-year vet of the industry, Tony Joe. And I know Tony Joe because I was actually just on the whole home show on CFAX. On CFAX, 1030 uh, or 1070, I think it is. Uh, yeah, it's CFAX 1070. It's also available on our iHeartRadio. I so think it's if, even on Apple and, and Spotify, to be honest. I, I don't know. But it, here's, here's the reality. You can go listen to that if you want. I think it lives on the internet now. Uh, but Tony Joe is on our program next week. He's a owner of Remax Island Properties. They've got locations in Victoria, Duncan, and Mill Bay. And I got to tell you, he does not disappoint. You get a really great overview of Victoria. And really what we're talking about he's, is He's is been applicable. in the business since 1991. 91. Yeah. Jeez. Victoria's changed quite a bit. Yeah. What were you like? That was your graduating university? No, come on. 91? 91. 91, I was 12. Oh, sorry. Just uh, <laughs> thought you were older than you are uh, significantly. <laughs> Have a great week, guys. Take care. Two thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today.